finally here and you're going to hear a variety of different hosts with myself for this season but before we start today's episode i will introduce today's host with myself dr kj how are you doing i'm doing pretty good how's everybody doing i'm good i'm doing well thanks i'm sure you're excited as me to welcome today's guest she is current usa women's 400 meter champion she was at the last olympics that just went she is an outstanding athlete and her name is quinera hayes quinera welcome to the mind talk podcast how are you doing i'm good i'm good 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 so quinera i'm going to ask you a question that i like to ask all of our guests that we have on mind talks what was your first experience of sports growing up um i think i was in the sixth grade the sixth or seventh grade um, and my science teacher had me race a guy in the middle of class outside in the back. And I beat him and he was like, hey, do you want to run track? And I was like, hey, what is track? <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't, I never heard of track. And I didn't know what it was. And he was like, well, you know, tell me what it was. Go home and ask my mom. So I went home and asked my mom, could I run track? And she was like, yeah, go ahead. And that's just kind of how it all started. Okay. But. I did for fun and not really like oh yeah one day i'm going to the olympics it was just okay i run track with my friends and that that was kind of it <laughs> i'm wondering uh miss quina like if you had a bit of advice to give like a kid who's trying out a new sport um like in their youth and they're not familiar with it like what advice would you give just to take it one day at a time um and don't go in you know expecting to you know, be the best if you're not just, you know, already up to that level. Just it's everything takes time. Everything is a process. And it would be, you know, just to basically if you're young to have fun with it, because I know a lot of athletes who are start sports at a very young age, they're, you know, they're driven, which is a great thing. But sometimes they are so driven that they begin to lose, lose the love that they, you know, once had for the sport because they're just so like, go, go, go. And when they don't get you know, to a certain level or don't get what they want and they just kind of beat themselves up, It would, you know, so there's really need to continue to learn to have fun and continue to learn to love what they're doing along the way and not let it basically beat them down if they're, if things are not going the way they think they should go because everything is not going to be perfect all the time. So it's just learning to just take a lesson from every obstacle you may face. Love that. No, that, is, that is great advice. So, did you realize your talent growing up? No. <laughs> no, like, it was just one of those things. Like I said, it was just for fun. I didn't really take it seriously. Um, I didn't. I would miss practices. And even though I would go to practice, sometimes I wouldn't run because it was just like, all right, whatever. And then, because, you know, I was, I would say I was naturally fast. So, I really didn't have to try much. Okay. Um, so, it was just like, 
all right, I'm here. My friends aren't doing anything, so I'm not going to do anything with my friends. I'm just going to do as you go to a meet. I'm going to run. Be okay. Sometimes, you know, I'm just okay. And I'm just like, all right, it is what it is. And I just you know, move on. I didn't really take um, track seriously until like I was in college. Okay. And that was just like, I started working harder and started being a little bit more serious about, you know, wanting to win and wanting to, to be the best and wanting to medal. But it still wasn't a thing where it's just like, okay, I'm great. I'm good. But, oh, I want to go to the Olympics. It still wasn't, you know, to that level that I wanted to run track and fiddle was still a thing that, you know, I was naturally gifted at. And I did put in a little bit more effort when I went in college, but it still wasn't the, oh, this is grind time. This is go, go big or go home. Or this is something that I'm going to see myself doing after college. It still wasn't to that level. It was just. I'm gifted. I'm ranked in top in the division two and you know, it is what it is. So (laughs) I sometimes wish I would have, you know, had a different mindset growing up, Mm. but you know, that's just a part of my story that I look at, you know, as far as a lot of people. So I just, you know, take it, take it for what it is. And I try to, when I do speak to young kids now, I do tell them that, if you're gifted at something and you want to do something that you do have to take it a little bit more seriously, yeah. especially with the way things are going now and yeah. the way they're progressing now and getting faster now or stronger, or like if you want to be where you want to be, like you really have to put in the work for it and sacrifice a lot of things for it. I love that. I love that because like mindset is like one of those crucial aspects of like what separates like the good from the great. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like when you're saying like, <clears throat> You know, in order to compete at a certain level, you've got to be in a like an in it to win it mentality. You got to realize like at the level that you're trying to go, like you said, in terms of sacrificing. So I think that's so key that you you could see that now as an athlete, but also then still um, input that into the lives of like the other individuals that you touch and reach. So right on with that. How um how supportive was was your parents growing up when it came to sport? Um. Well. My mom was always supportive. You know, my mom's always been there for me, but I didn't necessarily have my dad mm-hmm. around. Um, my dad was in prison when I was eight. Okay. Um, so I didn't have him all through, you know, like my early years of track from middle school until maybe my senior year of high school, if I was like 16 or something like that. Um, but, you know, when he did get out, he is, he was through the roof, just like my mom, um, mm-hmm time when I made the Olympics um, he actually got a big picture like a big poster picture printed out of me and put it on his car and found <laughs> um, South Carolina with a big picture of me <laughs> on his car wow. <laughs> and he like he gets shirts made so my parents are they're they're always in support and my stepmom and my stepdad have always been in my corner they've always pushed me and you know it's just one of those things where sometimes where I just get I'm getting tired or I just, you know, don't really know anymore about mm. continuing because it's just so it's, it's a lot, you know, my family and my, my parents are there to just, you know, kind of keep me balanced and just to keep things in perspective for me. And just to know that, you know, to keep going yeah. I've far in that, you know, to, to keep pushing better days are coming. It ain't gonna always be like this. And they're, they're just, they're just proud to say that, you know, just how far I've made it. They're proud to talk to their friends about it. Every time I call my mom, 
day I'm talking to somebody different at her job and that's the one that runs in the Olympics or that's the runner or that's and I'm just like yeah hi that's me. <laughs> but they're they're really supportive uh, my mom flies out to all of the major championships um, sure. she does not miss a major championship for anything and now that you know I have my son she's definitely not missing championships um so but my dad he's not so much of a flyer he's good at planes but this year okay. either drive to Oregon for worlds mm. so we're trying to get him on the plane because that's a that's a drive <laughs> not quick or so, <laughs> we real if you get on the plane the support is real then <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, no, you're 100% right. The support, support is real if he comes on the plane, but that's actually leads me to my next question. So do you notice that support on ra- like race days? Do you notice when your family are there supporting you? Does it make a difference when you're running around the track? Not, no, not really, because um, when I'm on the track, I'm on the track. It's literally just, you know, me and God on the track. Nothing else everything else is you know out of the out of the way out of out of my mind i'm really just focused on just letting god use me so i'm very good at you know basically blocking everything out of the way um because i know that in order for me to run well i need to be able to be free yeah um so that's you know it really doesn't really you know make a difference because i kind of just switch everything off and I, I go and I do my prayers, I do my worship while I'm on the line and then when that gun goes off, that gun goes off. Yeah. I'm definitely hearing a lot of routine also mixed in with like when you're talking about like that that focus in terms of like that tunnel vision, right? Like you know on game day no matter what if the support system's there, the support system's not, like you're still locked in on like what your mission is for that day. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm curious to take it kind of on an avenue of like how important do you feel a routine is to how you perform? Do you maintain the same consistent routine every meet championship or, you know, does it change? What factors play into that? My routine for meets, they, they change depending on like when I run, because I don't always run at the same time or it depends on the race that I'm running. And it also depends on like how many, maybe how many rounds I'm running on that day. But um, every, I never, I never leave home without my Bible or my journal or a book that I'm reading. So every day um, when I'm at a track meet and it's time for me to run, you know, I get up and I eat breakfast. And then most of the time I'll go to sleep until it's time for me to start getting up to get ready. And then when I get up and get ready, I'll get up maybe two hours to an hour and a half. And I'll do like a devotional or like I'll study my Bible and I'll do some worship music and start getting ready. But that's that's probably the only set thing that I will do. Um, there are services where I run more so in the morning, so I don't have that time to like you know get up and go back to sleep or anything like that. But the main thing that you know the routine that I set and I don't not do is you know reading my Bible before I leave my hotel room and making sure I'm in a place of worship when I get there on you know to the track. But my at home routine, all oh, that is. Stuck in there. It's the same thing every day. I have like I literally write everything down because I'm a planner, and I like mm-hmm. to be basically I like to be organized. You know, I'm yeah. so it's kind of like I have to plan everything out. You know, from what I'm going to do that day to basically what we're going to eat that day. You know, um, so it that kind of helps when I'm at a track meet too because you know I'm always on a routine and writing things down. I already know like that way, so I'm not scrambling and being frantic about 
what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, I do get in those moments where I am kind of just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm able to adjust and able to take a step back and just, you know, really calm myself down and just be like, all right, what do you have control over? What don't you have control over? And I focus on those things that I do have control over because, you know, I have Mm. to compete um, and I don't want to go somewhere where I'm just like all flustered and I'm not in that mental space that I was speaking of earlier, like when I'm just being one with God on the track. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about routine because that kind of leads me to my next question. So when it comes to your relationship with your coaches, have you found it difficult let's say if they have changed up the routine or let's say it's been situations where maybe you've changed your coach. Have you struggled to, to adjust to that or have you taken it in your stride? Um, for me changing the coach, I've only ever changed a coach once and that's when I left Florida in 2017. And it was very easy for me to you know, adjust to that new routine because of something that God led me to, to do. Um, it was, it wasn't a move that I just up and decided to make. It was just something I prayed about. And, um, when I got there, it was just like an easy transition between the coach and I, we have a really good relationship and the same thing for when I came back to Florida in 2019, um, I was able to really just jump back into routine with my old coach that I was with first, once again, because that's something that, you know, God opened that door for me to come back to Florida. And I was already used to, you know, my coach system and stuff like that. So it was just really easy for me to transition. And we have actually, we have a better relationship than we had the first time I was with him. Um, as far as practice, he does do that a lot. He, um, like even right now he's, mm. I don't really know. I know what I'm doing each day, but some, some days, you know, I'll do more than what he already said. And he'll just tell me in the middle of the okay. workout, well, I can think you can do six or maybe we just go to eight. Um, but my mindset is just, all right. I got to go. I got to go. I know what um, I'm striving for because um, I just pulled my hamstring recently. So mm. um, actually, April the 1st, I pulled my hamstring. So it's a thing where, you know, if my leg holds up that day, I can do yeah. more. And I push myself to do more if I could, if I feel like I can. And or okay. when I go in there thinking, OK, I want to do four 400s, but I end up doing five or six. It's a thing where yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to get it. If, if my leg is not holding me back, then. And if I'm still being in control of my race, because I do the same thing like I would do at a meet as far as being one with God and being in control of my race. I do the same thing mm-hmm. at track practice where I'm just like, all right, God, get me through this. You are my strength because I'm able I'm much of more of a calm runner and okay. I'm more in tune with myself. And I'm literally praying the whole way through. So if the Lord <laughs> gives me strength to do more reps than what he originally said, I take it. I do it. I execute the way he tells me to execute. And I just go from there because I know that my coach is not going to give me something that he doesn't think I can do. I, yeah. He knows my body and I also know my body. And if it, if it becomes too much, I know that I'm able to say, all right, coach, I don't think I can go anymore. And he listens to that. So we have a really good balance of where my body is at certain times and what I can or cannot do. So it's easy for him to say, okay, you can do more. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it, coach. I can do this. I can do this. Or no, coach, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that. And he'll either take it out or he'll just say, okay, we'll just do one more or just run to the 200 instead or the 300 instead of doing a full 400. Um, so it's it's a it's always just a balancing thing or just, you know, knowing the relationship I have with, you know, either coach or and just praying my way through, honestly. I love that you have 
a really good like coach athlete relationship because as we've seen like no matter what sport you're looking at if you look at the relationship between the coaches and the athlete if it's strong you see it's dynamic and how they influence each other it's really more transformational where the coach is able to influence the athlete and vice versa and then you have some where you can literally see that the coach is the absolute detriment to that athlete and oh well they're just a bad athlete I don't you know it doesn't really necessarily go towards the athlete is a bad person but that the relationship they have with the coach or maybe the coach having favorites and everything so in thinking of maybe once upon a time where you had like a not fully balanced like coach athlete relationship um, what would you say to someone who may be like presently experiencing having a coach who maybe is not in their corner and doesn't feel that support from the coach what would you advise for them um it would really just to be to pray your way through it, honestly, because I don't do anything without praying. And it would be to sometimes just to maybe listen to what the coach says rather than how he says it. Or even if he going if he's going off in a rant or he doesn't believe it, just trying to take different things of what the coach is saying. There's cause there's times where me and my coach are like, you know, we we bump heads and he's saying some stuff. And I just some mm-hmm. things I will block out and just you know, interpret it a different way than what he's saying, you know, just for my own peace and keeping mm-hmm. my peace. Cause you know, you can't let anyone disrupt your peace. And if you feel like, you know, maybe your coach is not maybe like on your side or believing in you, it doesn't where it comes in where you have to, you know, kind of motivate yourself and believe in yourself and to know, basically know your body, know what your, what your goals are. And just to kind of, you might have to have a hard conversation with your coach, but you have to, you know, pray about that first and then go, to your coach, not in defensive or even when your coach is talking to you, just sometimes, you know, don't already go in being defensive, you know, because um, I know a lot um, when I was younger, <laughs> sometimes when my coach would come and tell me things like I would already have my guard up ready to respond mm-hmm. rather than listen to what he was saying. Um, yeah. So that would already create a bunch of conflict and a bunch of friction in a relationship that didn't really need that because I'm already defensive because something he said maybe earlier or a week ago that rubbed me the wrong way. So when he came at me again, it was just already, all right, I, I don't care what you're saying. I know what my body's feeling. I know that I'm not feeling good today or whatever the case may be. So it will be sometimes just to go in and pray before you have to deal with your coach, even before you have to go to practice, just pray that, you know, you keep your peace and that you can just take different things out, you know, from that relationship or that just pray that God turns that relationship around. Or if, if it's not for you to be there, that you pray that God opens a door for you to be with the right type of coach. Um, like I said, Mike, when I, when I was with my coach back in 2015, you know, we didn't have the best relationship, but I know that God put me there with him. But in 2017, he allowed me to go somewhere else, but brought me back. So it's, you know, sometimes you may have to do that, but I don't, I don't make a move without praying about it or getting confirmation from God first. So I dealt with a lot of the friction between my coach and I, and I just had to really just pray my way through that thing because it was, it was rough. And then, you know, the separation that we did go through where I was away from 2017 and 2019, like we both did a lot of growing. So now that I'm back, like our relationship is so much, it's so much better now because we both had that chance to grow and to learn and to listen and to really know where we went wrong in those situations. Cause sometimes it may not be the coach. It could be you, but you also have to realize you can't control your coach or the person that's training you, but you can control you and your attitude and what you bring to the situation too. 
Um, so it would be, you know, just pray your way through and just look at, take a step back and to be able to look at yourself and realize what are you adding to the fire? If you want to say to make the situation what it is. What do you think made you so grounded in having that mindset? Because not many people would go back to a coach when they've had not the greatest relationship before. What, what do you think gave you that, the ability to, to break everything down and analyze it that will make you go back to a coach? Um, for me, the mindset that I had when I came back, it was just me being older and knowing a lot more than I knew when I was there the first time because I was like 20, 23 when I first moved to Florida. When I came back, I was like 25. No, maybe 27 or something like that. I don't really remember. But it was just really just having that mindset of I know what the goal is and that was to get me to the Olympics. And that's how every day I had to look at it, even when he would have those, we would have those little crazy days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, Lord, why did you bring me back? I was just had to realize what the end goal was and to realize that God brought me back for a reason. So those were, you know, that's what really helped me stay along and just really taking it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, you know, not everything is going to be peachy, peachy keen, picture perfect and all that stuff. It was just like really just trusting in his ability to get me where God wanted me to go. Definitely sounds like, you know, uh, you were tested and tried. And as, as you've been talking, I can hear that, you know, your faith is super, super important to you. It's almost like that foundational aspect of who you are at your core. And so it exudes in all of these different avenues of your life. And so naturally, when you get put back into a place where like, dude, like not dude, but like, God, you know, why am I back here? You already know, like all like basically like the hell and turmoil that I went through. But sometimes he puts us back because there was something more for us to still gain from that. And so it sounds like the second time around, you were able to gain more. Your vision was different. You were more mature. Um, and you were really able to receive. So kind of like, and God told Jonah to go to what, Nineveh. Um, and he decided he was like going to go to Tarsus. He tried to like go his own course. He's like, no, I got to plant you right where I want you to be. So you can take and make that gain and, you know, go forward. Um, so it sounds like that's what was going on in your world. So I'm really kind of curious to kind of segue it more into you talking more about like your faith and how that really just, embodies who you are and how that just makes you the not only the athlete that you are but like the person that you are and how you're able to just be so open and free about it and how that impacts other people for me it was always a thing where I didn't want to be the person who you know when the camera is on that oh I would like to thank God for or what I'm, you know, the people that know nothing against those type of people, but I didn't want that mm. to be what people saw. I wanted people to know that this is a lifestyle of mine, um, that this is something that when I'm home, I'm in my prayer room. I have like, literally, I'm in my prayer room right now. And I, this is, this is who I am. A woman of faith is who I am. And this is some, something that I strive to be when I want, and I want people, when they encounter me, they see the love of Jesus and they see the light of Jesus in me. And that's my main goal. Um, and it just, when I'm around people, they sense, you know, my genuineness, you know, I'm, I'm just always, I would say I'm friendly. <laughs> I'm always smiling. I'm always, you know, just showing that love of Christ to just everybody. Um, 
when I was at, when I was at, um, when we were doing USAs for the 400, it was one of the rounds. I think it was maybe the second round. And there was just a young lady there and she was just like, she was a nervous wreck. Like I could feel that energy and I could sense Mm -hmm. that she was just so scared. Um, So I just went and talked to her and I encouraged her and just, you know, basically spoke life into her and stuff like that. And then after USAs was over, another athlete um, actually DM'd me and was like, hey, I saw what you did for such and such. You know, I really like that and stuff like that. Um, And it it was just like, wow, because you never know, like, who's watching you or what you're doing. And it kind of really just touched me because I was just that was that wasn't me trying to get someone to notice me. That was just me being me and me being a woman of Christ. Um, and for her to come and just say, Hey, I watched you do that. It was, it was really a nice thing, but I just, I want people to experience the love of Jesus the way I I'm trying to experience the way the love of Jesus. Uh, so I just, when I'm around people, I just want them to, to be who they are. And I just, I want them to feel safe and comfortable to just be them and, you know, just to uplift people because this world is very, very evil and, you know, track and field is very competitive and where, you know, we won't, they won't even talk to you, you know, because they're like, oh, I'm here to compete. Yes, I'm there to compete too. But before anything else, before I'm a mom, before I'm a track athlete, before I'm an Olympian, I'm, I'm a woman of God. I'm a woman of Christ. So I lead with that in the forefront of everything that I do and everything that I say, I'm making sure that what I'm saying, what I'm doing is bringing honor back to God and who he is in my life and who he can be in other people's lives. You just, you just briefly mentioned being a mom. Um, So let's go back to the time when you found out you're going to be a mom. What was the thought process in your mind Oh, I cried like a baby. (laughs) I literally, I cried and I cried. And actually my husband and I, we actually started looking at the process for abortion. I was, I was going to get an abortion. Um, I was thinking about my career and that was, I was just like, I just was coming off a really good 2017 season. And I was just like, I cannot afford to be pregnant right now. Um, Mm. And I was just really, really scared. So I was like, you know, I was on the computer. We were like looking up abortion clinics and everything like that because I was set on giving, getting an abortion. Um, And then, you know, as days went on, I became depressed and I got really, really sad. And then the Lord was just like, I didn't give you life. So how can you take it? And that just changed everything. And I was just like, no. Whatever happens is going to happen. If God saw fit for me to get pregnant, God saw fit for me to bring this baby into this world and to continue to be an athlete. Because at that time, he had my apostle had already told me in 2010, oh, you're going to be an Olympian. So it was a thing where God had already promised me that I was going to be an Olympian with or without a baby. He's already promised me that. So if he allowed my baby to come in here, you know, it was for a reason, but his promises never come back void. So I'm still going to be an Olympian one day. I don't know when, but I'm going to be an Olympian. So that kind of just had to, I really had to recheck myself, but just like Quinera, get yourself together. But it was really a thing where God told me I didn't give life, so I can't take it. Because I was, I was well on my way to that clinic. Mm. I was, I really was. Would you say that since then? That motherhood has just been 
a blessing for you? And how has that since now having your son impacted, you know, how you maneuver different, your goals that you set, your vision for your future, you as an athlete? Everything, my goals and everything is still the same. I want a medal. Um, but now it's, it's more so when I, I want him to grow up seeing his mommy just try to conquer the world and to know that his mommy did not give up even, you know, with his, his dad is a runner as well. Um, it's just being the best example for him. I don't want to be a do as I say type of person. I want to be do as I do. You know, I want to be an example to where, you know, he can reach for his dreams. He can reach for his goals and not to give up as long as you're following God's path, just to keep going. Um, and I just want to inspire him to just be his best and don't let anything try to take you away from what God has for you. So the goals and stuff, everything is still the same. It's just kind of like, I know I have someone watching me now who's close to home. You know, I always have people mm-hmm. there's always kids watching me, but it's something different when it's it is when it's your child. Um so yeah, and I just want him to experience things that I didn't get to experience when I was younger and just be like, Yeah, my mom's an Olympian. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. But having a child, how was it like for you going back to training? Was it something that you had to adjust to or was it not as easy as you thought it would be? Oh, it definitely wasn't easy at all. It was not easy. I had to relearn, basically relearn how to run, how to vlog. Everything was just hard. And right after my pregnancy is when I kind of felt at my weakest because before I got pregnant, you know, a workout would hurt and I would just be like, whatever, I'm still going. But after I had my son, you know, sometimes workouts were hurt and I would cry and I would want to give up. Um, so I had to kind of break through that mental barrier of, you know, I can't give up and I have to keep pushing through. I know it's going to hurt. I know it doesn't feel good, but I have to keep going and I have to keep moving forward. So that was one of the toughest things to break through is getting that mindset to, to go mode. Um that was one of like the hardest things to do because it's just like it's so much easier to give up and mm. just be like okay I don't want to finish practice today let's start again tomorrow it's so easy to do that but it's it's another thing when you have to really just just have a talk with yourself and be like what do you want what are your goals why are you still doing this so it's just like those days I had to talk to myself and then I had my husband of course who, you know, we trained together, you know, he had to just push me and just bring things back. He's like, you know, I know it's hard, but you have to keep going. I know you don't want to do this, but it's, everything's going to turn around. It's going to come back to you. It's going to get, you know, you're going to find that form again. You're going to be able to run again. So that was, that was like the hardest thing ever to do. Sorry, sometimes I sit in battle on like what was said and like what's the next best point. But you say all of that, has your mindset shifted still to in or as it's in its growth mindset, has it still just shifted more for success? And would you say now, because I know before you said like, okay, I have my family and the support, you know, I know it's there, but it doesn't affect like how I perform. But would you say as being a mother and having a son who looks up to you, um, does that change your motivation? Do you look at him and say, you know, I'm doing this for you or is this still all self? The crazy thing is I was just, I had another um, interview before this and they asked me about my motivation and I told her that, 
before when I first came a mom, I would say that my motivation is my son. Um, but I told her that that is no longer, he is no longer my motivation um, because I don't want him to feel like you have to have something to be motivated. My pure motivation mm -hmm. is that God has given me and where he's trying to take me and that I'm using my gift as glory back to him. Um, so like I, re I was like, you know, I don't want him feeling like he has to have something tangible or a person or something to be motivated for something that God is giving him. Um, so my motivation now is completely different. It's now my faith, as you said um, before about I take everything back to God. That will be my motivation to just making sure that I'm using what he's giving me to the best of my ability and I'm not wasting it away with anything and I'm just continuing to push forward um, and it took a while to get there because I would always think about yeah my son is my motivation he's the reason I do this he's the reason I do that and you know I have to think about well what if I didn't have my son where would my motivation be then and yeah. so it was kind of like I was putting my son where God should always be like he kind of replaced where God should have mm -hmm. always been and where I should have kept him so that's, you know, that's a different mindset that I um, that I have now with everything that I do, because you never know. Lord forbid he could my son could pass away at any moment or anything could happen. And it's just like if something happens to him, oh, there goes my motivation. Then what am I going to do then? You know, I, I don't have a reason to do anything else because he was my everything and he was my motivation. So you kind of like I just like when you kind of have to be careful with how you say these types of things, because, you know, it could be like, all right, you, God could say, okay, you want him to be your motivation. You want him to be your reasoning. I could take that away from you. And then you're going to come back and be like, Lord, why did you do this? You know? Okay. So I just really tried to make sure I'm not putting something or anything before God, where he should be in that spot. That's an interesting perspective and an interesting way to look at things. I think my my next question kind of links to, so you had your son, you came back and then last year there was the US trials. I know on watching on TV, a lot of the attention on the trials was on Alison Felix and stuff like that. So how, what was your mindset going into the trials and how did it feel also like, did it make you feel more at ease that all the, all the attention wasn't on you? Um, I felt good going into trials because that's what my coach and I have planned for. And we just knew that, okay, Quinier, you can go, you can do this. You can win this. Um, it was kind of, you know, difficult, you know, having the cameras on you and then realizing Allison made the team and they shipped on her. But once again, it's something that you really have to pray about that I really had to pray about and just, you know, keep things into perspective. Um, just, I don't do it. I don't do what I do for the cameras. I don't do what I do for people being on me and just realizing who she is, a track icon. And it was just like, what was expected? You know, that was expected. Allison Felix, you know, mm. her last Olympics, she, she's brought a lot to the sport. So it wasn't really of a, like being bitter type of thing. It was just like, it's expected. It's Allison Felix. She's one of the greatest or the greatest track and field athlete there is. Um, so it was, but it was just really a nice moment because, you know, after that, that's when we, they brought, we brought both our kids together. So that, that moment kind of just went away. And then it was all about us coming together as mothers showing that you can still do it. So, you know, in that one little moment, it was just like, oh man, 
but then it just completely went away because there's you you have to once again you have to choose to focus on the things that you can control and you know really protect your your peace and your space and at that moment it was just a matter of let me just protect my peace and you know just just be in that moment and not try to dwell on something that you know should have happened a little bit better or a little bit differently because I didn't have any control over camera time you know once again track and field is about who's who and what's what and what's gonna have people watching and stuff like that so it's just like it is what it is I still I still won I still made the team and that was the main goal and we still you know inspired a lot of other people whether you were a mother or not like that was still a very inspirational moment my son was on TV and he did pretty good. So I was a very proud mom about that. And I, to this day, I'm like, cause you just never know how kids are going to act. So I was very proud of him. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just about being in that moment right there and just pushing everything else to the side. I think you make an important point that is also kind of circled through like our talk today. And it's like, you know, really be in the moment and focus on those things that are in your control. Because if you shift that focus to, oh, this other person won and it wasn't me or maybe I could have did better and all, all these other things, it starts to really distract you from those goals, right? And so when you tell yourself, you know, focus on what's in your control. At the end of the day, you know, you did your best. At the end of the day, you're still on the team. That then is that that self-motivator. And I also like how earlier you had, um, you know, mentioned like, you know, my son at one point, you know, was that that motivating factor, but you tied it right back to how important your faith is and if God is the one that gave you, you know, these strengths and these abilities and these skills and passions, then everything always has to go back to him. Yeah. And what I heard from like a coach's perspective is, you know, you're also not then putting all that pressure on your son to say, well, you know, I was my mom's motivator. And a lot of times parents who are either they're pro athletes or, oh, they were athletes once upon a time, they do that to the kid and that becomes a detriment and kills that kid's passion. So I definitely thank you for like bringing that back and saying, you know, like he's a motivator in your heart, but he's not a motivator for why you do what you do. You know, God is why you do what you do. And I, I just 100% love that. So thank you for keeping us on track with that. So you qualified for the Olympics. What was the thought process in your mind when you crossed the line and you knew, yes, I'm going to the Olympics? On to the next. Now I got to get ready for the actual Olympics. Um, it was what something I didn't do that I wish I would have done when I was talking about living in the moment. I didn't really live in the moment of me actually winning and making the team. It was just really on to the next thing. I didn't get, I didn't really celebrate it. Um, and I wish that's something that I would have done is really, cause that was a really a huge accomplishment. Um, but I didn't really live in that huge accomplishment moment. It was just, I was already jumping to the actual Olympics, which, you know, it was, it's a good thing. And also it's a bad thing. Cause like I said, I didn't get to live in that or let that, you know, fester up in me like Quinera girl, you're an Olympian, regardless, you're an Olympian. So I wish I would have, you know, done that a little bit more. Um, and that's something that I was learning after that moment. I kind of was just like, all right, Quinera, that's something I have to do. I have to celebrate, you know, everything, even the smallest of victories. I still have to celebrate those types of things because those are just as important as the bigger ones. So it was, you know, it was just like, oh, okay, I won. Yay, great. Now let's go on to the Olympics and let's try to do something there instead of being like, all right, like, girl, you're doing something that a lot of people don't get to do. So, you know, own that. Yeah. 
hundred percent. That's the thing. There's not many people get to experience that. Um, but then Olympics came, and it was in Tokyo, and there wasn't any fans. How was how was adjusting to that for you? Um, it was it was okay for me. Like I said, because when when I'm on that line, I'm on that line. Like nothing else really really matters, and I have a good sense of blocking things out because I've come to do a job. Um, so that it really didn't bother me at all. You know, I kind of liked it because it's like when you have people, there's so much pressure. It's just like, oh my gosh, like these people are watching me. But um, it was just a thing where, you know, the fans are not here, but, you know, you I still came to do a job and I'm still here to represent USA. So it was just one of those things where it was just like, all right, you got to go regardless. The fans don't make the meet. The fans don't make the race. You know, it's what we do out there and how we perform that makes everything, you know, great. Yeah, it's um, cause that's the thing. Cause everyone's different. Some people thrive off the fans, and some people, it doesn't matter if the fans are there or not. It, it it's it's go time. It's go time, and it's about being able to to adapt to any any single situation. Especially what we've been going on in the world recently with the pandemic. There's going to be some races in some places where there's no gonna, not going to be any fans, and yeah, you have to be able to adjust to it. But I guess it kind of brought you back to like the younger days, because I guess when you're younger it's not as much fans or there's no fans so it was kind of just like going back there wasn't it yeah even when we go to even as a professional we go to some meet there they're just you know your teammates in the stands or something like that so you know you go to these smaller meets where there's really nobody there and you still have to go and you have to compete so it's it was just like that to me and like I said I can just block it out and be okay but you know not every meet that we go to is going to be a packed house so it was just like all right, it's just another one, another meet where, you know, there's nobody in the stands. But, you know, we still had the USA team and, you know, some of the other teams, you know, they were allowed the athletes to come in and they will watch the race. So it's still quite a bit of noise in there, but it just wasn't as packed as, you know, a normal big meet of that caliber would be. So it was still just like, all right, there's people here, there's people cheering. So we're still going to put on a show. Brilliant. Quinira, last question. When you're, when you're done with your career, Name three words that you want people to use to describe you. <laughs> Ooh, okay. It would, one would be probably genuine. I'm not just because you can like a lover of Jesus. That's not a word, but that you know, that's what I want people to always remember about me is just my love of Christ and um, that I was <laughs> a kind person, <laughs> a good athlete, I guess. I don't know. That's like that's 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 hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's really hard because you got to sit and think about that. I know. That's why I asked it. One, what's your legacy on the track? <laughs> you have to think about a lot. You just can't, you just like throw that out there because <laughs> it it makes you really really think what you really want to to what people to think once once you're done. So when every time I ask that question, people do struggle to answer that question. So you tried. <laughs> Thank you. I really do. Quinira, thank you for coming on today. It's been it's been a pleasure having you on. Dr. KJ, thank you for supporting me in this episode. So um until next time, please like, please share. There'll be more episodes coming. Peace.